This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiqim here with Zach Rizzuto. Zach, you know what I said yesterday? I said, we ain't worried about nothing. But I did say, we ain't worried about nothing when it comes to Allen Robinson. Are we uh, worried? (laughs) Seems like we might have to be a little worried, just a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, (laughs) I'm more worried about a different Rams player. But we'll get to that in yeah. just a minute. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that in just a minute. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. We're here on Friday, end of the week. Uh, you know, listen, I'm just happy there was some football yesterday we got to watch. Uh, it, it, it was supposed to be a pretty good game, but it didn't really turn out that way. It turned out to be a, a blowout for the most part. Matthew Stafford looked terrible. Uh, the Rams offense was looking like they were hungover from the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. But, you know, you know, like, here's the thing, man. Bill's offense, Bill's defense, you know, both looking pretty good right now. Yeah. So, you know, I think we kind of coming out going into it too. <laughs> for sure. But like, you know, without Tredavious White, you know what I'm saying? Like this secondary was able to do their thing, those safeties, and you know, they were able to like really, really give Matthew Stafford some trouble. Yeah. You know, and it, it wasn't um, just the secondary, you know, it was the pressure all night. What did they test what did oh, they yeah. sack seven times? Like that oh, yeah. Rams, that Rams offensive line looked a lot worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, they 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 really did, and um, you know that that offensive line look, didn't look good. You know, listen, you know it's funny, man. It, it, the Bills can potentially win the Super Bowl. Like I, I'm not trying to overreact here, obviously, but the Bills were the favorite going to the Super Bowl before this game. Uh, right. But it's funny that Von Miller, you know, he got those two sacks, and you know he's 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 trophy chasing right now. You know, he got the one with Peyton Manning. Right, he got one, you know, uh, last year with the Rams, and now he potentially can get one with the Bills. But uh, maybe yeah, Von I don't Miller's, want to jump the gun here, obviously. Yeah, maybe Von Miller saw this coming, you know, that the Bills would be much better than the Rams. I think that's what happened, man. I think that's what maybe happened. Well, who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe the Rams weren't willing to give him that the bag that the crazy bag that he got, you know, f- from Buffalo. But listen, like we're already talking about, it. let's get, get right into the Thursday night uh, review. Um, you know, Stafford, you know didn't look good out there right no. um and it's kind of scary to see what the bills defense was looking like you know without Tredavious white they looked really good so with yeah. Tredavious white you know a, a shutdown corner you know they're going to be a really good defense assuming they stay yeah. healthy as they've been the past few years but this it really looks like von miller was a big difference you know he, yeah. he kind of powered up the entire defensive line that one guy um phillips i forget what his first name is but Never really heard his name before. He came through with two sacks with one and a half, but they yeah. were making impact plays all night. For sure, man. Um, and, and, you know, we're talking about Allen Robinson. Matt Stafford didn't even know he was on the football field, right? It like 15 really targets for Cooper Cup. You know, all he did was look Cup's way, for, you know, for good reason, obviously. 
But Robinson was nowhere to be found all game long. Super disappointing. One target the entire game, you know, until some random target, you know, in the end zone at the end of the game on fourth down. Um, Now, I'm not panicking on Allen Robinson just yet. Yeah, you can't you you can't panic really on any players, but some of them are much more concerning than others. I, I feel like you're going to be panicking on Cam Akers. Like you, you kind of have to be panicking if if you draft the Cam Akers in the fourth round, right? Uh, but yeah, kind of. You know, listen, we'll get there. But like Al Robinson, like this is one of the worst showings I think we're going to see from this Rams offense this year. Like yeah. they went up against a tough defense, and you know Stafford threw for only 240 yards. That happened only four times last year. You know where he threw for like around 240 or less uh, in in the 17 games that he played. So right. The good thing about Robinson is that he ran a route on 40 of Stafford's 50 I'm sorry 48 of Stafford's 50 dropbacks. So yeah. I think he's going to be fine. Stafford, you know, the this athletic article came out and I think it was uh I think it was Matt Silva or who who was it? It was uh, Evan Silva, sorry. You know, mm-hmm. uh tweeted out and said that Matt Stafford, you know, he he attributed you know Al Robinson's, you know, disappearance to the <clears throat> to the Bills playing almost exclusively zone and playing a ton of cover too. Uh, right. Matt Harmon then commented on that and said that this kind of makes sense because Allen Robinson's really, really, really good against zone. I'm sorry, against man, but mm-hmm. he's relatively average against zone coverage, which is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Cooper Cup, who is one of the best receivers against zone coverage, according to reception perception. So interesting takes there. Right. Um, I yeah. still didn't see the all 22 yet. I plan on doing that today because I do want to see what's up with Al Robinson. But if they truly are playing zone, if they have if they did play zone all game long and Matt Stafford saying that they only played man like twice the entire game, then to me, there's no point in me watching the all 22 because the whole point of it is I wanted to see if Al Robinson was able to separate. So I think right. that was the, the real issue there. Um, so so you look at last year, Robert Woods, right? He also had only four targets in week one. Yeah. Right, not not a good game, but he had nine targets in week two. Yeah. Tyler Higby, yeah. Tyler Higby had eleven targets in in yesterday's. Yeah, game. That was like, a little interesting. Didn't I don't do think much that was going to happen. But... He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Like like I said yesterday, super uninspiring. He couldn't do anything with eleven targets. So, Cup had a thirty eight percent target share. I, I I think we should see a bit of a correction moving forward. So I'm not hitting the panic button just yet. Yeah. On any of the receivers, I wouldn't. And it just goes to show, you know, Cooper Cup's a fantasy cheat code because even in a game where they scored 10 points and turned the ball over a bunch, he still had 31 PPR points, was it? He was targeted 15 times. It's not a question of, you know, volume of talent at this point. It's, the question is, is Matthew Stafford throwing the football? If Matthew Stafford's throwing the football, Cooper Cup's going to be getting the volume that he needs. And that that was one of my biggest takeaways because even in a bad showing, he was elite. Um with Allen Robinson, you know, I'm not hitting the panic button on him either. Like I said, it's week one. This isn't like some, this isn't like they played the Jaguars and came out and looked like this. This is the Bills, the Super Bowl favorites. I'm not putting it past them. We saw this same type of performance, you know, a strong defense from Green Bay in week one last year. No one thought that the Saints really had a shot against them and the Saints ended up blowing them out. That's kind of how I look at it. Um, Stafford, you know, there were questions about his elbow injury, that kind of thing, all this stuff. It was it was just a long offseason coming into it. You know, Super Bowl hangovers kind of a thing. Uh, at least it looked like it. I'm not worried about Matthew Stafford. They got 10 days to come back, turn around, and fix what they, you know, f- 
fixing mistakes that they had. Uh, I think they'll be fine. I'm not hitting the panic button on anybody but Cam Akers, but we'll get to him. Let's get there right now. Let's just talk about it right now. Right. Like, Cam Akers, the dude didn't see the field at all. Two touches. Right? Like, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and uh, I think I think maybe three. I, I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. Dell Henderson started the game. He never left the field. He had 82% snap share. The bell cow for this offense in this game, 18 total opportunities. K-Makers was nowhere to be found, you know? Um, yeah. Now, we were a little bit worried about K-Makers coming into the game, right? We, we were like, oh, maybe this is going to be a 50-50 split, but, you know, he should get goal line opportunities, right? Yeah. And this is not – and this is, we, nobody saw this coming, right? Like, everybody yeah. thought that he was going to be involved, but maybe he wouldn't be as efficient because coming off the Achilles – you know, the, all of the Cam Akers deniers, like we weren't necessarily deniers, I would say. I think we were mm-hmm. we were optimistic, right? Um, but, dude, did not see this coming at all. No, not at all. And the, if you're looking for a silver lining as a Cam Akers owner, you know, I look at Daryl Henderson and he wasn't exactly efficient. He wasn't exactly very, you know, inspiring with the touches that he got. He had five receptions, but only 26 yards, under four yards a carry easily. It, it wasn't obviously a good performance overall for the Rams offense, but uh, Daryl Henderson, you know, he, I don't think he separated himself, you know, uh, from Cam Akers that much last night at all. Um, I think that Cam Akers not getting touches goes back a lot to the injury situation. You know, there were questions about his health going in, but they said that he was going to be fine, that he'd see the field. It was just, you know, I would have been okay. I wouldn't be panicked as much as I am if he got like, six or eight touches you know or maybe he got a little a little early down work but this was like not seeing the ball at all and when he did get the ball he did nothing with it and you know you can put that on the rams offensive line being you know crap last night but i i i, I it wasn't inspiring at all i don't like that cam makers got the ball two times did nothing with it I, i'm panicking because especially where he was drafted like we said if it was anywhere in the fourth round you're sitting there thinking you might ha- you might have a value you know that this guy might actually turn around and be a lot better than his draft uh, value indicates. Um, And it it was just completely out of left field. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not so worried that Akers didn't do much with the ball because he was stopped in the backfield a couple times. Um, But what I'm really worried about is where is he at and why didn't he see the field? You know, did he not see the field because he's still recovering from the Achilles? Is he not seeing the field because he's still – you know, not a hundred percent from the soft tissue injury that he just had a couple weeks ago. That's my hope, right? Like I rather that I rather that, you know, he is not a hundred percent from the soft tissue injury and they're just making sure that he doesn't have a, you know, re-aggravation, right? That's I what I'm know. hoping for. And Sean Mavet is not going to give you any clue to what the actual no. situation is. What we're going to, if, if that is the case, we're just going to see acres pop up in a random game. When you thought in week five, when Dal Henderson, you thought that Dal Henderson was the RB1, right, on this team and a fantasy RB1, if he's getting this type of volume, dude, like, Akers is going to all randomly show up with, like, 60% of the work. <laughs> right? Right. We're never no, going to know when that. it's going to happen. Uh, and and that's part of the reason why I can't drop Cam Akers right now. Right? Oh, like, I'm not no. going to, like, you hold yeah, on to We're not to talking him. about dropping Cam Akers, no. Keep him <laughs> on your bench. Uh, you don't start Cam Akers next week, Right. I would start Dal Henderson as a RB2, okay? Mm-hmm. The type of work that he got yesterday with his five targets on top of his 13 carries, 
um, and he caught all five of his targets. Like I would, that is low end RB one numbers right there. His snap shares RB one numbers as well. Um, and the fact that they went against a tough defense and he was still able to put up some numbers without scoring a touchdown is a good sign, you know, for Dell Henderson. And, you know, he didn't get any goal line opportunities or anything like that. So, you know, like we can start seeing a split happening at some point between these two guys. Um, you never know. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But Akers, you know, he just wasn't, he wasn't on the injury report, right? He yeah. was practicing in full, you know, a zero in your fantasy lineup, like that stings, on a, especially on a Thursday, you know, because you got to live with it. Thursday night, going to bed, Not you're just trying to go to sleep, you're trying to go to sleep and you're just like, okay, makers, no, you know, you're just yeah. like, it sucks. Saturday, you got to, you got to deal with it. Friday, you got to deal with it. And then going into Sunday, you're you're trying to compensate with like high upside guys so you can win your matchup. And then on top of that, you went against Stefan Diggs and you're really feeling like shit. Yeah. I, I get well, it. I get it. Not, not only, you know, that happens on a Thursday, but it happens kickoff weekend. You know, the first game of the fantasy season, you have high hopes going into it and, you know, he shits the bed. So yeah. <laughs> that's not, not never a exactly. good feeling. I don't, you don't want to speculate too much either on Cam Akers, you know, you know, injury wise. But um, you imagine if they only plan to use him for three carries, you know, whatever it was, um, why even have him suit up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, why have him why, suit up? Yeah, I guess so. You know, but if right. Dal Henderson got hurt, what would have happened? And then you worry about you. You think about Kyron Williams. Yeah, but you that's think the thing. about they've Kyron Williams. They've been talking so highly about Cam Akers, how they're going to be doing this. You know, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are both going to have a role, and then Cam Akers just inexplicably gets three carries and does nothing at all like this looked like a healthy scratch situation essentially but you don't want to call it a healthy scratch because we heard about injuries it's just it was something that i don't think anybody was expecting at all yeah no i'm with you um and you know what's interesting about this and and, and ian hart has uh, you know tweeted this out and i just started dying laughing when he did Ian Hardis, if you don't follow him he's like one of the funniest dudes in the fantasy space uh works over at pff uh he tweeted out, you know, when Kyron Williams, Kyron Williams ended up getting hurt, I think he hurt his ankle pretty early in that game, and he was, like, de- kind of declared out or questionable to return. But he tweeted out, I said, oh, now that Kyron Williams got hurt, K-Makers, you know, is finally, like, the RB2, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's funny because you think about it, there's some truth to that. It's like, well, was would Kyron Williams have gotten more playing time than K-Makers? Right. And yeah, that was shaping out to be true because if K makers was only going to be on the field for two or three touches and Kyron Williams was already on the field to get hurt, what would have happened? Right. Would yeah. he have been on the field to spell Daryl Henderson? So interesting stuff, man. Interesting stuff. So I'm really looking forward to see what happens next week. Um, but let's move on to the bill side, man. Stefan Diggs yeah. absolutely lit it up. Right. Nine targets, eight catches, 122 yards and a long touchdown towards the end of the game um listen there was a reason why he was one of the best for late first round picks for fantasy yeah right uh, gabriel davis he came through on that broken play for a touchdown i know you were happy about that i was going up against oh, you yeah. i had Allen robinson you had gabe davis uh so <laughs> the good thing about yeah. gabe davis now it was a broken play that he caught the touchdown on the good thing about gabe davis was that he ran around on every single one of josh allen's dropbacks um it's what yeah. you want to see Right, Stefan Diggs for some reason was being taken off the field after every catch. I, I don't know what was going on there. That doesn't matter. He's <laughs> going to get it done for you. Uh, but you know, Gabriel Davis had five targets. You know, only a sixteen percent target share, but he's like a big play touchdown type of guy. I, I don't think he's going to see that high target share all the time. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But on a good offense, he'll come through more often than not. You know? Yeah. Um, with, with, with the Bills receivers, first of all, I just would like to note that as of week one, my next Jamar Chase T. Higgins prediction is not looking too shabby. Um, <laughs> also, on that on that note, I think this is exactly what we kind of projected for Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. You know, Gabe Davis didn't get nearly the number of looks of Stefan Diggs, but he made the most of them. And he was a deep play threat. He had, was it a connection over 40 yards? It was a catch over 40 yards, another catch over 25 yards, which was, which was his touchdown, and a couple other grabs for like intermediate gain, 8 to 15 yards. It looked really good. I was happy with what I saw. That's exactly what I was projecting for him. But the thing for me is Stefan Diggs, you know, it looked like the Stefan Diggs of 2020. Not that 2021 Stefan Diggs was bad, but this was, you know, being constantly targeted, just peppered with targets, and the connection with Josh Allen was there. And that's like uh, on that one back shoulder pass, you know, it just mm-hmm. came out. Josh Allen took it was like a one step drop and just drilled it back shoulder to Stefan Diggs across the middle, right across the face of a linebacker. He turned around, and caught it. It's just that connection doesn't happen with a bunch of other quarterbacks and receivers. And that's yeah. what makes Stefan Diggs such a good player for fantasy. As long as Josh Allen's throwing the ball, Stefan Diggs just, you know, pencil him in. That's the type of performance I'm expecting to see more of and often this season. 100%, man, 100%. Um, uh, Dawson Knox, he only had a uh, 6% target share, you know, <laughs> two targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that should bounce back. However, 66% rap participation isn't too encouraging for him that, needs to go up to like 80 percent if we want him to be a solid fantasy contributor now it is possible that knox just stayed in you know as much as possible Mm -hmm. um but uh but you know we'll see you know what what this team wants to do uh with knox and whether he's going to be running more routes or not um 86 snap percentage is good so maybe he was just blocking more often than he normally would um but still low end 10 and one next week you know we'll see how that goes uh isaiah mckenzie uh, I think, you know, he did score a touchdown, but I think you can drop him. Like, if you picked him up and you want to pick up somebody, let's say you're on Sleeper on Yahoo, you can drop him now even though he played. Like, I know on ESPN, by default, uh, you can't – every player gets locked even if they're on your bench. Um, yeah. Assuming you didn't play him, you could potentially drop him uh, because he did catch a touchdown, but he split time. He split time yeah. with Jamison Crowder. You know, if McKenzie was an every-down guy – and wasn't rotating, if he was the slot guy, I'd keep him. But he only had three targets, 55% rap participation, not great. The mm-hmm. only wide receivers you want rostered on this mm-hmm. offense right now is Diggs and Davis. Yeah, I'm with it. And I kind of saw this one coming. And, you know, I know you felt a little um, vindication when Isaiah McKenzie caught that touchdown, especially after that bad uh, drop just in case, Just in case people started him, right? Like, right, you know, yeah. I thought he was like a, you know, a desperate flex if you needed one. Um, but yeah, for those who started him, yeah, sure. You got the touchdown, but no, nothing, his usage wasn't worth hanging your hat on. Yeah. And that's kind of what I expected. You know, when you have Stefan Diggs, you have Gabe Davis and, you know, we'll get to the running backs in a minute. Um, they were really involved. It, there's not much room for anyone outside of the big two in Diggs and Davis. I mean, you know, you'll have your occasional touchdown like we saw. And James Crowder was actually, you know, pretty good. He was good as a as a player to spell Isaiah McKenzie, but um, neither of them have the workload that, that, yeah. that we're looking for or the big play threat. Like you could say Gabe Davis, oh, he only got two more targets than Isaiah McKenzie, but Gabe Davis's targets were much, much more high quality, uh, what's called fantasy targets than uh, for sure. Isaiah McKenzie, yeah. Hundred um, percent. And you mentioned the Bills' backfield. 
Singletary, he was the main guy. He started the game. Uh, he was on the field for the first few drives. Uh, Zach Moss did end up rotating with him quite a bit, though. Uh, yeah. James Cook, he he, got, he ended up getting a carry. <laughs> he lost a fumble on that carry and pretty much never saw him again. Uh, not a great start for him. Uh, yeah. you know, don't drop James Cook just yet. You know, we've seen over the last two seasons, this backfield has been moving and rotating and nobody was able to really just like grab this backfield by the horns. And you know what I'm saying? Like, we haven't seen that yet. If you draft yeah. James Cook in the, in the ninth, 10th round, don't drop him just yet. Be a little bit more patient. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that the bills are a little bit more patient with them because they weren't <laughs> patient with him yesterday. No, but for me, you know, when I saw James Cook fumble his first carry in the NFL, I had like flashbacks to Kareem Hunt and yeah. the Chiefs. He did the exact same thing. I was like, are we going to have like a James Cook explosion now? Because like, <laughs> it's, it's a good offense, you know. I, I was wondering if that was going to happen, but, um, you know, unfortunately it didn't. They did. They kept him on a short leash. And instead of reminding me of Kareem Hunt the rest of the night, it reminded me of James Robinson and Urban Meyer last year. <laughs> fumble the ball once and you're done. Doghouse. But, I know, um, dude. I, I, I was know, actually dude. I was actually surprised with Zach Moss's usage in the passing game. I mean, I know we talked about how Devin Singletary is not, you know, a good receiving back. He's statistically yep. last in yards per route run. But um, I, I thought James Cook would get at least a shot in the passing game. I don't think they need to throw it his way once. So that kind of had me scratching my head. Not that I was anticipating big things, but I thought maybe we could get a little intel, you know, at least at least For see sure. what James Cook could do. So I was a little disappointed in that. But Zach Moss, he's, I think he's just going to be – a pest <laughs> yeah man I, I i agree with that so so we'll see what happens there zach moss didn't really look particularly great singletary looked okay like he looked he looked decent in this game yeah um but but i'm assuming they, they will continue with somewhat of a rotation for whatever reason um yeah now i think that's all we got you know for this game for the most part um now uh- on another note, Josh Allen sure, looked fantastic. That's exactly what we were looking for. Josh Allen was excellent. You know, it was a little stressful at the beginning of the game when he wasn't running, but then the second half he came through and started running. It, it, especially at that last point, like they were up 31-10 or whatever. He was running running the ball hard. You know, like yeah. he, I think he was just he was, to play. I think he was trying to prove a point. Like he was pissed about that Chiefs game last year, right? He, yeah. he could have made it to the Super Bowl. He was pissed about that. On top of that, going up against Jalen Ramsey, like, remember, we all saw the comments of what Jalen Ramsey said a couple years ago, and it's been all over social media since yesterday's game, right? And he wanted to prove a point, man. And that's that's part of the reason why he was making sure that Jalen Ramsey got beat. And Jalen Ramsey did not have a good game at all against Josh Allen. So Josh Allen got his vindication against Jalen Ramsey, for sure. So that's what he wanted to do. He got it done. And he was – he was – he had a different type of swag to him yesterday, Josh Allen. Like he was yeah. getting a hit. He remember that? Did you, did you see that stiff arm that he put on, dude? Yeah, yo, well, Nick Scott. Woo, is that what it, yeah, dude, he just crazy. yo on the sideline, bang! The dude hit his head on the ground. That was that was that was in, intense right there. Yeah, um, and then and, also his rushing touchdown. You see his one rushing touchdown where he literally like jumped from the three yard line. Michael Jordan. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah he, he did a little Mike, uh, <laughs> be like Mike move. That was dope. I love that. And listen. He was smiling the entire game. He was getting hit. He was hitting people, and he was yeah. smiling the entire time when he got up. So you know that he had something on his shoulder for that game. Um, but it was cool to see, man. He's a fun player to watch. You know, I'm, oh, a, yeah. I'm a Jets fan, but I, I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a I'm a more I'm more of an NFL fan and just like watching all these players and yeah. uh, watching Josh Allen yesterday, man. Like it's hard to not be a fan of his at this point. Um, right. 
All right, let's let's get into a little piece of news. Uh, it's not that much news since yesterday, but one piece of news from yesterday. Uh, Rondell Moore had an MRI after sustaining a hamstring injury in practice. That is not good. Not great yeah. when an MRI is involved. I would assume he's out this week. Zach Ertz, he also might be out for the Cardinals. So Marquise Brown might end up with 15 targets in this game. Like He's a must-start at this point, and you're going to see in a second that I have him in my top 10 wide receivers for this week. Right. Yeah. And by the way, um, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Not go for it. Uh, I'm I'm done with this topic. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, um, you know, we have, I was just going to note that we ranked, you know, Marquise Brown with the idea that Rondo Moore won't be playing. And Rondo yeah. Moore didn't show up in the rankings either. Um, Zach Ertz is in the rankings, but, um, you know, we have an injury designation on him. So if he doesn't play, you know, just disregard him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now, I will say while I bring these wide receiver rankings up, we're going to get into that right now. Um, you know, I'll be updating all the injury reports like on my Instagram story. Um, so we'll be sending out a newsletter tomorrow as well, tomorrow morning around 11, 12 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, um, you know, where we kind of break down all of the injuries and whether we expect them to play or not, what the practice status was and all of that. So you kind of will get that, you know, broken down for you. Uh, but I'll also talk about it on my Instagram story as well. So um you just just keep you know just stay in tune with that, mm-hmm. um, so you get some updates. So let's share the first wide receiver. All right, here we go. N- no surprise at the top: Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup. You know, basically just continuing where he left off, dude. Like the dude, yeah. You know, is 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 getting it done. Um, Justin Jefferson, you know, at number one, ain't no, ain't, there's nothing wrong with that. Going up against the Packers. Now, I mentioned. Marquise Brown at number nine, right? Yeah. Like, I I don't think that there's any problem with putting him at number nine. Like, I, I'm a big fan of Marquise Brown this week, man. Like, yeah. you can't sit him this week, all right? Zach Ertz banged up, no Hopkins, no Rondell Moore. The mm-hmm. targets are likely to be concentrated towards Marquise Brown. Like, and having Brown in the top 10 might seem a little crazy to a lot of people, but only Cooper Cup had more top 12 finishes than Marquise Brown last year. He's already a yeah. high target share player. Uh, he's twelfth. He was twelfth in target share last year, right? He was seventh in target share the year before, and now he's back with his college quarterback on a more pass friendly offense that runs a lot of plays. Yeah. And then you mentioned, you know, uh, Kansas City also lost Tarverius Word, who was their top corner last year, lost him to the 49ers. So we're looking at a situation that Marquise Brown uh, can potentially, you know, really blow up. In, in this spot and it's, it's it'll be really hard for me not to have him in my lineup this week right no I, I agree you know i'm looking at the rest of the rankings and other players that are around you know this is a bet that the situation is going to outweigh you know other players i i think marquise brown's going to be a target hog this week just because they played in college and i feel like it's going to be like you know the reunion game and that's kind of you know i don't want to say that every reunion game is going to go well you know jamar chase and joe burrow worked out you know, we're going to see about Devontae Adams and Derek Carr, but um, there really isn't anybody else to throw to in the Cardinals offense, which, you know, at the beginning of the season, we're like, on paper, the Cardinals receiving Corey Stack, but they're missing a bunch of guys. And Marquise Brown, the guy that they didn't have going, uh, what's it called, going into the offseason last season, is now easily the number one. Uh, I think nine is justified, even over Michael Pittman. Yeah. And I have Michael Pittman at 10. You know, he's going up against a rookie in Derek Stingley, obviously, you know, a highly touted rookie um, yeah. and Steven Nelson on the outside. 
Houston did allow the second most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers last year. And um, obviously they have a new defensive scheme this year with Lovey Smith coming in. Uh, a new cornerback rotation this year can change things. Um, yeah. But I think their, their secondary, you know, just isn't that good. So I think Pittman can this have is a the big day. we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pittman can have a pretty big day on Sunday. All right. I, I, also, I the Colts. I, the Colts are like have one of the. I think they're top five in implied uh, point total this week, so they're going to be right. scoring points. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if they go up quick, it's going to be because of Michael Pittman. <laughs> I think over anybody else in the passing game. Yeah. Anybody else you want to comment on in the top ten? Um, AJ Brown at number eight. What do you think yeah. about that? I think that's. I think that's a good ranking. I think that five through eight, they're all projected very similar. Um, AJ Brown, like they could go any anyway. I like CD Lamb just at five because you know he's pretty much locked in for volume. Devontae Adams, not so locked in, but we know the talent he is, and he played with Derek Carr. I think that's justified over Mike Evans. Um, Mike Evans might have a little bit more competition, depending on whether or not Chris Godwin plays. We're still waiting to hear about that. That's going to be a game time right. decision. And AJ Brown, I think, is locked in. You know, I think he's going to get good volume. I think that the Eagles are still. They're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna jump right away from the running attack. Like they were really committed to the running game last season. Yeah. I don't think they're gonna get away from that immediately, very quickly. But they'll definitely be more pass geared. And AJ Brown at eight feels good. Yeah. No, I feel you on that one. I mean, I feel like if Godwin doesn't play though, and I kind of have a feeling that he's not gonna play. Um, yeah. If he doesn't play, and even if he does play, to be honest, like Mike Evans is probably still gonna be a little bit of a target hug. Yeah. Um, just because like he's the really. He's only like the the really like true piece that Tom Brady still has. That he's a hundred percent, he's good to go. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. he can depend on him. You know, this week. You know, right. that's kind of how I see. Now, I'm looking at 11 through 20 right here. Allen Robinson at 16, just sticking out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> we're gonna have to sit with well, these rankings for a good like five to ten minutes here. I just want to yeah. get over with this slide as soon as possible let's just get right through it dude <laughs> realistically though was anyone holding over your head even before the game for having Allen robinson ranked there I, I don't think so you know this no. it wasn't this wasn't the same rams offense that we were projecting that we saw last night so i don't think i don't think they can blame me right now for having him ranked there obviously in the Thank future you, if you rank them there if you rank them there again maybe next, next week, week <laughs> maybe we'll have issues spoiler alert yeah, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't blame you for ranking him there. I think that felt just about where I would put it. See, Zach. See, that's why I keep you around, dude. That's why right. I keep you around, brother. You, you just, you just, you just have a have a way. You just have a way. I, about I'm you. a forgiving guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, looking at Tyreek Hill at number twelve. Uh, so, by the way, uh, oh yeah. So, uh, I, I we didn't. Re we probably just like we kind of skimmed over the rankings. Like people who listen to the podcast, they probably don't know who number one to ten was, but you kind of have an idea of who it was after what we talked about. Uh, I think Zach kind of went over it too. But uh, we got Keenan Allen at number eleven, Tyreek Hill at number twelve, T Higgins at thirteen, followed by Cortland Sutton, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, Debo Samuel, <laughs> Mike Evans, DJ Moore number nineteen, and then Terry McLaurin at number twenty. Um, Tyreek Hill. You know, he's had some decent games against the Patriots in the past, obviously with the Chiefs, yeah. you know, but it's interesting because, you know, you would think, you know, off the top of your head, like, oh, Belichick, you know, he probably game plan for Tyreek Hill. He probably have, have has his number, but no, that's not the case. Um, Tyreek Hill has basically averaged 100 receiving yards per game and more than a touchdown against them yeah. <laughs> in his career, <laughs> which which was pretty surprising to me when I, when I looked it up. 
Uh, and now I, I actually did the exact same thing. I was like, oh, you did know, you really? Let, oh, let's try and project Tyreek Hill by looking at past performance against the Patriots. And the first two weren't as inspiring, but then the one game and they had like 39 points. Just like yeah, he had like 150 yards or 170 yeah. yards and three touchdowns or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Um, but you know, with Tua, let's see what Tyreek Hill can do. Um, there is a chance that he is the focal point of this Dolphins passing offense. There's a good chance that that's the case. So looking forward to see what he can do uh, with Tua. Um, yeah. no, at number 14 that we have Cortland Sutton, you know, I think he has to come through on Monday night in order for me to redeem myself for Allen Robinson. Uh, cause he's like one, <laughs> I, one of the think, guys I've been touting as well. <laughs> yeah. So two names stand out on this list to me. And one, one of them is Cortland Sutton. And I was going to say, because I have huge expectations for Cortland Sutton, especially with the report saying that Russell Wilson's targeting him as the number one, you know, I, I think that you will, you will have redeemed yourself. If he does well, I think he's going to do very well. And like I said, I think even 14 might be a little low for the ranking. I think it's just a conservative ranking right now compared to where he'll be the rest of the season because, you know, we haven't seen him on the field yet. But I think that one's a guy that can move way up. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. Um, but, uh, you know, so Artie Burns, you know, is not a good corner. You know, he might be there. He might not play on Monday as a possibility, but there's not going to be much experience back there to defend Colton Sutton behind him. Right. Um, you have a guy named Michael Jackson starting. I'm not joking. Okay. <laughs> at corner. The dude has four games in three years to his name. Okay. And mm-hmm. then you got the rookie Tariq Woolen, who was taken in the fifth round of this past NFL draft. So not great. Sutton is in line to have a great game on yeah. Monday night. And uh, he might be a big part of that Russell Wilson redemption story. Mm-hmm. The only thing that could go wrong for him is game script. They get ahead early. There can be no reason to be throwing it. But, um, yeah. you know, maybe maybe Seattle comes out with like a renewed fight right? and just like, like, like this energy trying to stick it to Russell Wilson. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't really see that happening. So, yeah. No, yeah, I hear you. Um, now, I'm looking at number 17, Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. It might seem a little bit low. Now, I, I initially had him in low. <laughs> it does right like with him at nine like i had him at 19 initially man uh but like with kittle likely out i did move him up two spots um now listen he finished as the wide receiver three last year like yeah wide receiver wide receiver 17 is gonna feel really really low so but the thing is like i'm not convinced that him and trey lands have the rapport just yet yeah. um and, and either way like like listen he's gonna be in your lineup right regardless like because the bears are not good yeah. um the secondary is one of the worst in the NFL. And I I feel like I got to move him up a little bit even more. But I do like these. I'm looking at these other guys. Like, obviously, besides Allen Robinson. I'm looking at these other guys. Um, I can't stop looking at Allen Robinson 16. And I kind of like <laughs> these other away. guys more. Get like, this graphic I, I, like I like Bra- I like Brandon Cooks because I know he's going to get the targets. I know I like Cortland Sutton. I like T. Higgins. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I just like these guys more than Debo yeah. in terms of, like, kind of like, you know, a little bit of a guaranteed target share. Yeah, for me, I feel like Debo Samuel being ranked at 17 is like ranking him at I don't want to call it his floor, but on the lower end spectrum, if things don't go well, that's kind of where I see. Yeah, that. you're obviously yeah. starting Debo with hopes that he's going to be the you know wide receiver three overall, like he was last season. Um, but you know, this is a completely different quarterback. Um, Brandon Ayuk has had somewhat of an emergence apparently this training camp in the preseason, so he's looking good. Um, you know, I would say George Kittle, but he might not play. 
but the offense might take a little bit to gel. Yeah, I see you got the graphic off the screen. Um, yeah. But the offense <laughs> might take a little bit to gel. So Debo Samuel, you know, I think 17 is ranking conservatively. Um, if he does finish there, you know, you'll get props for it. But if he finishes higher, it's like you can't really blame it. Uh, right before we get back to the next graphic, I want to say one yep. more thing about DJ sure. Moore being ranked yes, at 19. That. I think yeah. that he is – I think that's a very low ranking. And I think that he's yeah. going to outperform it by a mile. And that's just because, you know, Baker Mayfield – I'm not saying Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback, but he's the best quarterback that DJ Moore has had. DJ Moore is talented. If he gets the same type of opportunity that he had last season, I think he'll be able to capitalize on it much more. Much more. The quality of the targets coming in, I think, is going to be much higher. We might finally see the DJ Moore breakout that we've been waiting for. Um, yeah, I think what's called Sundays can be very telling about how the rest of the season is going to go. I expect big things. I think 19 is a little low. I might even. I, I, you know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have him where Allen Robinson is. I would put DJ Moore at sixteen. I can see that. Basically, yeah. put him before Debo. Yeah, and you know what? I think you're right about that. I, I think, think he's I locked in that. for volume that he wasn't in past seasons, just because of the quarterback play. Like if Sam yeah. Darnold was still starting, I wouldn't be excited about it. But th- this is DJ Moore, and we haven't really seen Baker Mayfield on a non-run heavy offense. So right, who knows? They they could unleash him. <laughs> I hope so. I hope yeah. so. And I think you're right. That's a very, very conservative ranking. I, I should probably have him around 15 or something like that. I, I think I agree with that. I agree. That's kind of I mean, I yeah. all, all the points that you're making make sense because I'm looking talking about those other guys having guaranteed target share. It seems like DJ Moore is going to have that as well. Right. Yeah. That, that's and you don't want to rank it based solely on target share, but we've seen DJ Moore, the talent that he has too, and he, I think he's just yeah. been kind of restrained. No, I think you're right, man. I think you're right. I'm going to move him up. Um, all, right. all right, moving on to 21 to 30. We have Jalen Waddle at 21, Deontay at 22, followed by Elijah Moore, Gabriel Davis, Rashad, da- Rashad Bateman. And by the way, the reason why I have uh, these guys locked in, like I had Al Robinson at 16, is because like these rankings lock, right? So like these rankings were done before Thursday night's game. So all it's right. not like I'm going to be moving them. I'm not even able to move them, uh, like on Fantasy Pros, for example. Like they're locked in. This is what I had at before the game, so I'm not going to change it. Before. Yeah, we're, we're not going to change it after the. We're fact. not like, in the. Oh, yeah, we're not in the business <laughs> of lying to you guys and being untruthful. <laughs> so. Exactly. 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 Um. Yeah. So and then we have Elijah Moore at 23, Gabriel Davis at 24, Rashad Bateman at 25, followed by DK Metcalf, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amon Ross St. Brown at 29, and Jerry Judy at number 30. Now, I got Deontay at 22. We'll see if Deontay mm-hmm. ends up playing. Uh, he was limited all week, and he's saying that he's taking one day at a time. No word of whether he'll play this week. You know, let's see if he gets another limited practice today. If he does, there's still a chance that he plays. Um, yeah. And if he plays, he's going to probably be in my lineup. Like Deontay, he missed the game yeah. against Cincinnati last year, uh, but he had a great game against them another time. And a lot of the secondary mm-hmm. is back this year. It looks a lot very mm-hmm. similar to what they had last year. So, um, the one thing is like we'll see if Mitch Trubisky locks on to Deontay, you know, to give him another season of very high target share. Um, right. You know, we'll see if George Pickens or Chase Claypool end up taking more of the share than we think to potentially bring, uh, you know, Deontay's target share a little bit lower. That's going to be interesting to watch. Like, if I had to guess, I would say Deontay Johnson's target share is still going to be over 25%, and uh, mm-hmm. George Pickens will be like a close second if I had to guess right now with Chase Claypool coming in third, but a little bit more distant. Right. 
And Deontay Johnson, you know, I was a kind of you could call me a Deontay Johnson hater over the offseason. But um I think 2020 22 being ranked there, I think that feels about right. Just because uh, I'm much more confident with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback than Kenny Pickett. And not that Kenny Pickett didn't impress me in the preseason. He did. But Mitch Trubisky's the best option right now for Deontay Johnson because we saw what he was able to do for Allen Robinson, even though, you know, the Bears were a bad team. Um, he was able to make Allen Robinson fantasy relevant before, you know, everything went backwards and upside yeah. down on fire. But uh, <laughs> in that 2021 season. Um, but, you know, Deontay Johnson can be that guy. We obviously know he's a big target share guy. If he gets the same target share, 2020, I keep saying the year, 22 feels correct for where he's ranked. Yeah, and I have Elijah Moore right after him. Uh, Elijah Moore had the best game of his career with Joe Flacco. Uh, he caught a, yeah. a 8 of 11 targets last year for 141 yards and a touchdown. If you're wondering about whether you should have him in your lineup, you should. Okay, He's the mm -hmm. number one target on that offense. Um, also, we have to remember, the Ravens gave up the most fantasy points to perimeter wide receivers last year in the NFL. I'm not yeah. worried about Marcus Peters potentially coming back. He's 31 years old, coming off the ACL. You know, he's like the original Trevon Diggs, right? Allowing yards and coverage, but getting interceptions. Like, I want Elijah Moore that, that is an in my lineup. Yeah, I want no, him in my lineup this week. Yeah, Elijah Moore is definitely going in lineup. All these guys, like up to, you know, I'd say up to Michael Thomas is where I'm, you know, in the rankings. I'm just referencing up to where Michael Thomas, 27. I have all of them in my lineup regardless of what's going on. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster is right where it kind of gets to be like, okay, should I be starting him over other guys? That kind of thing. That's just me. But Elijah Moore, we've been talking about the whole offseason. If you listen to us talking about the whole offseason and you don't put him in your lineup, you know, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, man, seriously. Like, we're, we were so big on him. And um, now that Joe Flacco's there, we know that he can get it done with him, right? So that's good yeah. to know. Uh, Michael Thomas, uh, by the way, I want to talk about Gabriel Davis at 24, by the way. I think him at 24, from what his, like, opportunity looked like, Seems like a solid ranking for him. So, like, I'm happy yeah. with this ranking of Gabriel Davis. Like, you know, borderline wide receiver two, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I'm looking at Gabriel Davis this season. With, and yeah. that's kind of what he did in this game. With much. every week, every week, wide receiver one upside, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he's probably you know, not going to finish as a wide receiver one in this past game, in, in like this, this week. Yeah. But well, yeah. he'll finish as a wide receiver two. For sure. Yeah. Um, with Gabriel Davis, you know, this is the kind of ranking where I kind of feel like T. Higgins falls into. And I think that T. Higgins is a little high. And we've been talking about that the whole offseason. I think at one point you had T. Higgins at eight. <laughs> I wasn't a huge yeah. fan of that. I, I have you know, him as like overall a borderline ranking. wide receiver one right now. Or a low-end yeah. wide receiver one, pretty much. I, I view T. Higgins and Gabe Davis in a very similar light. But that's you're just crazy. Me. <laughs> that's because you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, listen, like T. Higgins, you know, has earned target share in the past. We haven't seen that from Gabriel Davis, you know, mm -hmm. without a large sample size. But you never know, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I do see, I do see similarities, though. I, I get what you're saying. Pass heavy offenses, two wide receivers killing it. One obviously better than the other. But I think T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are a lot closer in talent than Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. Okay. Yeah, I guess you could say it. for me, it's the connection that does it. You know, Josh Allen yeah. and Stephon Diggs have that connection where they're just very. But there's good. no doubt that in the end zone, dude, in the red zone, like, like Gabriel Davis is like he's going to be doing yep. his thing all season. Gabe long. Davis, you know the way, not even just the way he plays and his 
physical profile, but maybe even kind of the way he looks. And then this just might be me. He kind of reminds yeah. me of like Mike Evans. <laughs> just a yeah, little I can see that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> maybe it's because they I wear the same I, number. I, I don't know. But <laughs> I, I, I see that. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's Mike saying, Evans but, without but, the target share. <laughs> Mike Evans, he's like Mike Evans, but just not as good. I get it. Yeah. Um, it looks like Michael Thomas is on track to play. Um, he will likely be the guy demanding the most target share here, but we'll see. He is coming yeah. off the injury. Um, but we haven't seen him play fully healthy in a couple of years now. We're hoping that he's a guy that we can continue to move up in the rankings. Like we have him at 27 here. We know that his ceiling, you know, is in top 15, top 12. So yeah. the hope is that continuing every single week, we kind of move him up a little bit. Um, now he is going to go up against Casey Hayward, AJ Terrell, you know, up under the same defensive coordinator as last year, Dan Pease, the Fal Falcons did allow the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers. So if it's a similar scheme and they don't have to depend, they don't, if they don't depend too much on these corners playing man to man on every play, uh, we might, you know, see some production out of these wide receivers this week. Yeah. And, you know, just a kind of bold prediction here. If I want to put out a bold prediction right now, just for that we go. Falcons game, you know, I think we're going to see a there lot more go. fireworks than we think. I think that we're looking at, you know, I'm, I think that the score is going to blow whatever the uh, line is for the game, you know, the over-under in terms of total points scored. I think we're looking at, I think, an offensive shootout. That's what I think we're going to see. And it's going to surprise Ooh. a lot of people with Marcus like Mariota, it. you know, but I think it's going to happen. Like, you look, it's like, oh, th these two guys are having a mid-off. You know, it's Jameis Winston <laughs> and, and Marcus Mariota. But, I, I, you know, they have good offense. They have pieces around them. You know, I, I think this could be a surprisingly, you know, a, a barn burner of a game. I like it. I like it. All right. Moving on to 31 through 40 here. We got Brandon Ayuk at 31, followed by Darnell Mooney, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, Chris Godwin at 35, assuming that he plays, Kadarius Tony at 36, Christian Kirk, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Smith, and then Julio Jones at 40. Um, now, Brandon Ayuk, you know, he's going to benefit big time from Kittle missing this game. Um, yeah. You know, him and Lance already have a good connection. You know, coming out of camp, I, I can see Lance locking onto Ayuk in this game a bit. And against the Bears secondary, like, I do want Ayuk in my lineup. I think that's a ton of upside to add uh, to your flex. Yeah. No, I like Brandon Ayuk. Um, I think that the hype may have him a little bit higher than I would put him. You know, I think that Amari Cooper at 33 would feel more appropriate if he switched them. I'd put Amari Cooper up just a little bit. Um, but that has nothing to do with Brandon Ayuk. Um, you know, actually, you know, now that I think about it, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle's out. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Now I'm I on think, board. I think if I George Kittle myself. was not, yeah. I think if George Kittle wasn't out, I wouldn't have Ayuk this high. If, let's say George Kittle was playing, I think yeah. I would have Ayuk, I think I would have him right on, right ahead of Hunter Renfro. So I would have yeah. him around 38 or so, right, right okay. behind Christian Kirk. That's yeah. kind of, I think, or maybe right ahead, like right in that range. That's kind of yeah. where I would have him. Uh, but That's since fair. since I'm pretty sure George Kittle's out, we don't have George Kittle in these rankings. We're going to share the tight end rankings in a second. I, mm. Yeah, I, I kind of like Brandon Ayuk there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, like, we got Chris. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was, was going to move name, to the next one. But go ahead. Yeah, the name that stands out to me is Amari Cooper on this you know slide right here yeah. of our rankings because you know we know Amari Cooper is a very talented receiver and he just. Didn't have target share, I don't think. If you look at games where Amari Cooper got over eight targets, you know, he was a wide receiver one those weeks every single time. 
it's just the problem of, you know, when he was in Dallas, they had all these other receivers that drafted CD Lamb as a luxury, you know, that really hurt his uh, volume. Um, Amari Cooper looks to be the undisputed wide receiver one on the Browns. And even though it's Jacoby Brissett throwing them the ball, you know, he's really the only option they have in the passing game as of today. So I think that he could surprise a couple of people and show up, have a bigger game than people expect. Yeah, man. Yeah. I do like that call. Um, so we have Kadarius Tony here as well. He's off the injury report. Um, and, you know, while we're all caught up with guys like Wondell Robinson, you know, I think it's Tony who has the most upside of any of these Giants wide receivers. Um, yeah. There's no one in the Titans secondary that scares me. I think it's a good matchup for Tony. And wherever he ends up lining up, like, I think he has the advantage. So, and, and I do think he ends up moving around a little bit. We'll see what this, you know, new head coach Brian Dable has in store for him. But I'm very curious to see how he's used. Um, you know, he was using the slot a lot last year in his rookie year, uh, mm-hmm. but he might not be using the slot a whole lot this year. So I'm curious to see how he does on the outside, maybe against press coverage. Will he actually be using the slot? You know, we thought that Wandale was going to be that guy, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see, A, how he's used, and B, how he does if he does end up being on the outside. Yeah, I, I hear you there. You know, I, the whole thing for me is I'm a little leery of the Giants offense overall. But, for um, sure. Kadarius Tony's. If you're gonna have anyone on the offense outside of Saquon, it's Kadarius Tony that you want. Yeah, yeah. Now Chris Godwin, you know, we mentioned him. Still no word on him or whether he'll play. Uh, he didn't practice on Thursday, so keep an eye on his practice status today. I think they said they're gonna make a call on him today, on Friday. Uh, I, I so saw a game time wait. decision or something like that. Yeah, so I, I did, and then I saw like a. I I, th- I think I saw that they were gonna make a decision today. I think I saw that also. So well, we might not have to wait. That would be very helpful for us fantasy managers. <laughs> <laughs> it really would be. So we might not have to wait until Sunday. Maybe I'm confusing him with another player. I, I Oh, no. No, they were talking about J.K. Dobbins, that they were going to make a decision on Friday. I'm sorry. Right. So, yes, I think you're right. Chris Godwin will most likely be a Sunday decision. Um, especially if it's game time, then you're kind of screwed. Because if you hold your spot open, you go through all the Sunday games, you know, not playing Chris Godwin, and then you hear he's out. You know, that's actually kind of pushing me away from starting him now. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he, uh, because what Zach's referring to is that that game is on Sunday night. It's the yeah. the, the Bucks Cowboys game is on Sunday night, so you're going to have to make a decision about him early in the day. And if you don't know that whether he's going to play or not, that's going to be a tough decision to make. And most likely, you're going to have to go away from Chris Godwin at that point. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm looking at it now. Because unless you want to be pigeonholed and playing like Freddie Swain <laughs> with Drew Lockett quarterback yeah. or something like that, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would actually, you know, now that I'm thinking about it consider maybe just leaving Chris Godwin on the bench this week. Yeah. And you're going to have to like end up picking somebody up from like the Monday night game. Most likely like a, like a, like a, like a KJ Hamler or something like that. That's Mm -hmm. what you're probably going to end up doing. Um, So we got Julio Jones at 40 here. Uh, Not 40 years old, but 40 in my rankings. (laughs) I'm not, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, how he's used. I don't know that he's a full-time player on the Bucks. Mm -hmm. Like he played more than 70% of snaps only three times last year um it's possible he ends up moving up in my rankings like in the future like if he plays a sort of gronk like role you know brady's looking for him a ton in the red zone um but with godwin likely not at 100 percent still maybe he's used a bit more than he normally would um so i think throwing him in your flex this week is not a bad option yeah no i'm with you you know julio jones also just pretty good he usually tears up the cowboys so he has tom brady quarterback <laughs> now you know you, yeah, I'd take a shot, especially with, you know, we're just like we're talking about Chris Godwin, if he doesn't even play, 
you know, that'll be a big boost for Julio Jones. Um, this is a bet, I think, more on, you know, the pedigree, the name. You know, we know what Julio Jones can be is when he's healthy. Um, and if anyone's going to bring it out of him, it's Tom Brady. So I'm not ecstatic, obviously, if I'm throwing Julio Jones in my lineup at this point. But, you know, in a pinch. Yeah, yeah a I'll, pinch. I'll start him. In a pinch, exactly. Well, he could be the guy you go to if you have Chris Godwin, you know. Maybe Julio Jones floating around yeah. on your waiver wire. It's possible. Yeah. Um, Travis Kelsey at number one. Uh, we're moving on to tight ends now. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I have him at number two. That would be in line with your prediction, with your Falcons uh, prediction yeah, at, yeah, at yeah, a yeah. little bit of a shootout with New Orleans. Uh, Mark Andrews at three, followed by Dalton Schultz. Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, Dawson Knox, Zach Ertz, and Cole Komet. Now, Zach Ertz, obviously, you know, he he's a little bit banged up right now. No word on whether he's practicing. You know what? I on the show right now, I'm gonna go check if if he has made a, an appearance uh at practice. It's a little early, it's 1 p.m. Eastern time, so I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um Darren Urban has has uh tweeted out in part in open part of Arizona Cardinals practice tight end Zach Ertz was working um, they didn't see Rondell Moore there obviously but Zach Ertz is practicing okay. he's running routes and stuff so it's possible that we see a a uh, limited practice for Zach Ertz that would that would be my expectation if he practices in full great he's playing okay yeah. um, but we'll see we'll see what happens there so just keep an eye out if you have Zach Ertz if, you, if you're depending on him make sure that you have a backup just in case he doesn't go all right. Yeah. Um, and for me, also just a note on the Cardinals, you know, you're talking about Zach Ertz possibly playing. If he does play, I'm not even sure I'd worry about moving Marquise Brown around in the rankings because I think that might just make, you know, the Cardinals offense a little bit more efficient. You know, it's easy to say, oh, there's only one receiver like Marquise Brown on the Cardinals offense for this week and he'll be hyper targeted. But sometimes that's not the case. And, you know, the offense just suffers as a result because there's nobody else to throw to. If Zach Ertz even does play, you know, even if it's in limited capacity, I think it only helps the offense and Marquise Brown might, might be better off for it. And there you go. And, and Marquise Brown is just known to be uh, an efficient receiver. He's worked with a good tight end before Mark Andrews. So, Oh yeah. Clearly he can get it done, but Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Travis Kelsey, obviously at number one for me, I, for me, it's obvious. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, no more Tyreek Hill in Kansas city. He's going to be doing his thing. Kyle Pitts. Now the reason why I have Kyle Pitts over Mark Andrews is because I I do feel like Kyle Pitts is going to take a big step forward this year. Um, yeah. You know, with with Marcus Mariota, a quarterback who has really good experience of making fantasy tight ends relevant in the past. He did it with Delaney Walker. Kyle Pitts is a different animal. We yeah. didn't see the real Kyle Pitts last year. First of all, he was one of the most productive tight ends, rookie tight ends in history, right? Yeah. We knew that he was going to be a free coming into the NFL. And this year, he has Drake London. Uh, as his wide receiver one. So now he finally gets some pressure off of him and he's going to move yeah. back inside. You want him to play in line. That's where you want him running routes from. You want him to be playing in the slot. So I just feel like he is going to explode, you know, because of that. Right. And yeah. um, I, do, I do see him locking on to Kyle Pitts a little bit, Marcus Mariota. So mm-hmm. um, that's part of the reason why I have him there. Lamar Jackson, you know, he has Mark Andrews, obviously. Mark Andrews is going to be able to do his thing as well, obviously. But Mark Mark Andrews didn't do as good. You know, his numbers were very inflated because of the fact that Lamar Jackson was not the quarterback for a little stretch of the season last year. Yeah. How are you looking at these three? 
Would you play Mark Andrews over Kyle Pitts? It doesn't matter. All these guys are in your lineup, but who would you prefer? Yeah, so I, I'm putting – I think the rankings that you have are accurate. I like Travis Kelsey number one because Patrick Mahomes is going to be locking on Kelsey. We know that. That's just common knowledge. Everybody knows. You know, Travis Kelsey ranked number one. That's the way it's been for the past five years now. But <laughs> but um, Kyle Pitts at two I think is right. I think that's fair over Mark Andrews just because, you know – the Ravens, they're they're a run heavy team. Obviously, that Lamar Jackson, you know, he's back. You know, they're gonna be playing against a rough team in the Jets. Not not to crap all over your team, but um, That's Kyle Pitts. Right I just think he, like I said, and going along with my prediction for a, a, a shootout in Atlanta, um, Kyle Pitts is gonna be the primary beneficiary if there is a shootout because he's gonna be catching passes. I'd argue touchdowns. I think two touchdowns, that would be awesome. Obviously, he didn't have the touchdowns last season, but this season. I think he could open up really strong against the uh, Saints. So I agree with your ranking. Yes. <laughs> I hear that. Um, Dalton Schultz at number four. Um, I just think that, you know, he's going to be the second option there, uh, you know, with, with the Cowboys. It's going to be a high scoring game. So I like Schultz a little bit over Darren Waller. With Darren Waller, you know, he's coming off a little bit of a soft tissue injury. We don't know, like, how severe that is. We don't know yeah. if he's, like, 100% good to go. Uh, it seems like he's he's okay. Um, it seems like more of a contract dispute than anything. However, mm-hmm. we really want to see what his target share is going to look like with Devonte Adams in the fold, right? That's that's yeah. pretty important to me. It's a pretty important piece of information I don't have right now, um, <laughs> because there's no guarantee that he is the second target, right? Hunter yeah. Renfro can be the second target as well, you know. And if Darren Waller's third, where does that put him uh, in this tight end ranking? I still think he could be top five, top six. Uh, he can yeah. even be top three. You know, if he's extremely efficient with Devonta Adams, I can see that happening. However, yeah, I'd rather play Dalton Schultz, guaranteed target share, um, serious opportunity. Yeah, for me with Darren Waller, you know, and I wouldn't overreact to whatever target share he does get. Um, I wouldn't overreact if he does very well in target share this this week because this is a matchup that pretty much has you know shootout written all over it we saw how the games yes. went last season so this could be overinflated passing numbers that we're not going to see every week because this is just a this, it's a marquee matchup um two very good teams it's going to be you know fireworks so if darren waller ends up getting eight or nine targets along with Devonte adams getting 12 or 15 targets you know i don't think that's sustainable week to week so obviously that's only if he does really well you know, otherwise, you know, that's just how it's going to be. I think that we shouldn't get caught up in the quality of this matchup. I think Dallas Goddard, you know, is an interesting one because, you know, he he's he's somebody who I can totally see vaulting into like the top four tight end yeah. discussion. Um, he's that talented. And if this team really, truly does move into a pass heavy attack like they I think they want to do with the weapons that they do have, I do think that Dallas Goddard can potentially, you know, ha- make that leap. He was number one in yeah. yards per route run last year. Uh, he's extremely efficient. We know how good he is. We know how talented he is. There's a reason why the the Eagles were happy to trade away Zach Ertz um, and have Goddard as their primary tight end, as their only tight end. Um, so I want him in my lineups no matter what. TJ Hawkinson followed by Dawson Knox. We saw what happened with him. Hopefully he bounces back next week, has a higher uh participation in terms of the pass game and uh and we have a cole commit to kind of round it out at number 10 uh cole commit you know isn't a short thing either right uh, obviously mm-hmm. we have george kittle not in these rankings because we don't we're not expecting him to play 
Uh, he wouldn't have made the top 10 otherwise. Uh, but Cole Komet, you know, we don't know what for sure if he's going to have a very high route participation or not. Uh, yeah. In the preseason with the first team, it was around 65%. You want it to be higher. You want it to be around 75 80% for a tight end to be able to be a top 10 guy, um, mm-hmm. unless they're, like, super-duper efficient. efficient. Um, and in this offense, like, do we really expect a ton of touchdowns, right? Probably not. And that's part of the reason yeah. why Cook Komet didn't get a ton of touchdowns last year because you know, even though he was targeted a good amount. So keep that in mind. This offense isn't really slated to make, you know, a big to take a big step forward, right, in terms of mm-hmm. scoring. Um, but there is a chance that Komet has a high target share this year. Yeah. And and sometimes that's you know all it takes for a tight end. You know, the tight end position is so shallow. We're kind of getting in and you'll see on this next graphic, you know, it's pretty much streamers after the top seven or eight. Unless yeah, you consider exactly. like Dawson Knox in that group, you know, right yeah. on the edge with Zach Ertz, but it it's a pretty bleak outlook after this. I mean, I'm looking at the rankings now. Tyler Higby at 15, you know, that I'm not sure if the usage that we saw last night is going to be repeated or if it's going to be I don't replicated. Think it is. Eleven but, targets is not going to happen, and look what he did with eleven targets. He didn't do anything. Yeah, it's interesting though because. At least he's getting looks, <laughs> you know. I mean, that counts. Like, I yeah. You look at the other guys that could be on the field, you know. Like, we don't know about Albert O. Um, obviously, he's ranked a little bit higher, and we don't. For this season, hindsight from last night, but you know, if if I have to pick from a streaming option like this, I'll take the guy that had eleven targets at one point. Obviously, you know, if he gets the five or six, and these are all backup options, but yeah, for sure. Now, I will say about David Njoku. I think out of all these guys, I think we know that he's going to have a high rap, rap participation. I think Pat Frymuth is going to have a high rap participation. Uh, yeah. Albert O, like the, it's still a question mark, right? We think that he will. We're assuming that he will, but you know we don't know for sure. Uh, but he is a guy that you know has a little bit of upside, so I'm willing to throw him in my lineup week one if I need a streamer. Irv Smith, mm-hmm. same thing. We assuming that he is going to have close to you know 85% rap participation. He is good to go. He's off the injury report. Um, so you can start him week one. That estimation that he, they said that he's going to be back for week one, that whole, held true. Unlike Zach Wilson, who they said they'll be, he'll be ready for week one, but now he'll be ready for week four. Um, yeah. so, so you never know what you're going to get with any team, but it looks like he, he, he'll be good to go. Um, mm-hmm. Gerald Everett really, you know, he's somebody that's very interesting to me uh, because this team, this offense is going to be really good. Right, and they're going to be pass heavy. They're going to be running a lot of plays, uh, and this week it's going to be a very high scoring game. Um, mm-hmm. Vegas and and L.A. These two teams, the Raiders and the Chargers, have played each other four times, obviously over the last two seasons. And in those four games, they've beat their projected Vegas total each time. Uh, they average about fifty eight points total <laughs> over those four games. Yeah. So it's a high scoring game every single time. And now they got Devontae Adams, the Raiders did. So mm-hmm. Gerald Everett is somebody I'm looking at as like, you know, he's, he's on a lot of waivers. There's no doubt about it. So he's somebody I'm looking at. If I got to plug somebody in, I'll plug him in. Mm-hmm. And my, Austin my guy Hooper that I'm kind of looking at. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Austin Hooper. Yeah. yeah. With everything that's going on with the Titans receiving core, you know, we're not sure what Traylon Burks, what we should expect from him, or even what Ryan Tannehill is going to look like. You know, Austin Hooper's a guy I can feel like, I could see catching four or five balls, maybe a touchdown. You know, they get in the red zone. Um, 
I, I like Austin Hooper if I have to pick somebody from this list. I might even say Austin Hooper I feel more safe about putting in as like a streamer than Irv yeah. Smith right now just because, you know, I think the situation is better. Irv Smith, like Austin Hooper isn't behind Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And right. he doesn't have – I mean, he has Derrick Henry at running back where the Vikings have Dalvin Cook. But Austin Hooper, I think, could have the target share that we're looking for if at the very least, you know, that's all that he gets. Yeah, he he could lead. I wouldn't be surprised if he leads his team in targets by the end of the year. You know, that's that's in the realm. That's of a, that's a little bold, but okay. I, I, I who, feel who, it. who who do you think leads leads the team in targets? Robert Woods, Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks. <laughs> I, I think Traylon Burks, just because they you know they drafted him, they wanted him to play. So I could see it as long as he's now, healthy. Just, as long as he's just healthy. for the podcast listeners, um, I'll just go over this list real quick. At eleven, we had Pratt Firemuth, followed by David Njoku, followed by Albert O, Irv Smith. Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, Gerald Everett, Austin Hooper, Mike Gusecki, and then Evan Ingram. And by the way, the reason why we have a Mike Gusecki too low, or I have him too low at 19, is because we I don't really expect him to be that involved in the past game. Apparently, he's been he's going to be staying in to block a ton, um, and that might not be too conducive to fantasy points. Um, and on top of that, you got Tyreek Hill now, and there's going to be a lot of targets split between him and Jalen Waddle. So right. Gusecki took a hit. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Um, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy football on Sunday. By the way, I'll be going live uh, starting at 11.30. 11.30? 11.30? No, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time uh, on Instagram. I'll be live for about 90 minutes uh, with a bunch of different characters. All we're on Instagram, we'll be talking fantasy, answering fantasy questions, fantasy start talking about uh, start sits, all that. Uh, so make sure you tune in there. Uh, if you want the full set of rankings, uh, including flex rankings, you can hit the Patreon. It's in the description of this video. Um, and uh, you get all the rankings and, and blurbs. The blurbs will be up uh, later today. So I appreciate you guys. Uh, Zach, appreciate you, man. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you guys yep. soon. Take it easy. Bye.